podcast series on the life of Moses, the last couple of weeks were more about the internal conflict taking place between Moses and the rest of the Israelite people, but today we're going to look at an encounter that takes place that is not internal conflict, but rather defending against outside conflict coming against the Israelites as the Amalekites come and attack them. And as we look through this passage of scripture, I want to highlight the way that Moses leads the Israelite people during this time. But in the points I'm going to be making today, rather than, rather than using the term leadership, I'm going to use the term stewardship instead. And that's because I know that many of you out there listening may not be in some, some kind of leadership position. But leadership, essentially, is just a stewardship of people. And so maybe you aren't stewarding people, maybe you're not a leader, but there are things that you have been entrusted with that you need to be a good steward of. So I'm going to be looking at how Moses leads the people here, and be making points about the way that he does it as a leader, but I'm going to be framing it in the terms of stewardship. So with that in mind, let's look at this encounter that takes place where the Amalekites come and attack the Israelites. And if you're not familiar, the Amalekites were Esau's descendants. So this is a continuation of the feud that took place between Jacob and Esau. So we're going to be going back to Exodus chapter 17 today, and we'll begin reading at verse 8. It says that the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So the Israelites are out at Rephidim, and the Amalekites come and attack them. And look at what Moses does in response to this. He seeks out Joshua, and this is the first time that Joshua is mentioned uh, in the Bible. And Moses comes to him and says to choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. And tomorrow I, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Moses here is trusting Joshua to lead the Israelite army. Now, if you don't know this, Joshua is Moses' successor. 
When Moses dies, it is Joshua who begins to lead the Israelite people, and he leads them in victory against Jericho and and other ways. But this is the start of it for Joshua. Up to this point, he's just another one of the Israelites, and yet Moses trusts him to lead the army into battle. And while Joshua is leading the army, Moses is going to go up on the hill and raise up the staff of God. You see, Moses must have recognized something in Joshua that would allow him to lead the people. But that needed to be recognized and develop in order for Joshua to eventually take over when Moses died. And if Moses wasn't beginning to recognize Joshua's potential in this moment, it's possible that Joshua would have never come into that role that he eventually filled. It all started with this moment. And so what we see happening with Moses here is a wise steward investing with what it is that they manage. Right? Just how when you have any kind of resource, you don't want it to just sit there and collect dust. You want to put it to work. You want it to be doing something. You want it to be growing and working. And that's what Moses is doing with Joshua here, is he's saying, I want to give you an opportunity for you to grow. And see, when you are working with people, when you're leading other people, one of the best ways that you can invest with people is by investing in them and giving them those opportunities to grow into the gifts that they have been given that just have not had time to develop. And Moses, rather than choosing to be the one leading the army into battle, which he was probably not the best suited for, and it was also not the best use of his time. Because what was more important for Moses to do than to lead the troops into battle was to go up on the hill and raise the staff of God so that the army could prevail. That was where Moses needed to be. And he couldn't be in two places at the same time. And so rather than trying to be in two places at the same time, or sacrificing one thing so that he could go and do the other, he begins to delegate this task to Joshua, recognizing what is in Joshua, that ability to lead the people of Israel, and lets Joshua go and develop his gifting as Moses goes and works in his gifting. This allows Israel to triumph by him going and doing what he does best, while also providing Joshua this opportunity to grow into his future role. And they come out the other end of this battle even greater than what they were going into it. And so there's a few lessons that we can learn from that. We can learn to be mindful of our own limitations and the importance of operating in our gifting, but also, and probably more importantly, learning how to provide other people with the opportunities to grow and encouraging them to walk in that so that you don't have to shoulder the entire burden yourself. You can delegate tasks a little bit, And you don't just have to delegate to people who are already experts, because if only the experts are ever given the tasks, what happens when all of the experts die? There's nobody left to take over. 
So there needs to be those opportunities created to allow other people to grow in their giftings and become experts in their own rights so that the work can continue in good hands. So Moses does that with Joshua. says, you go lead the army, I'll go up on the hill. So Moses goes up to this hill, and he raises up his hands, raises up the staff of God, so that the Israelite people will prevail. And as long as he holds his hands up, they win. But of course, his hands start to grow tired. His arms give way. And when he brings them down to rest them, the Israelites begin to lose. And Moses eventually reaches this point where he is too tired to hold his arms up with his own strength. But thankfully, he doesn't have to. Because when he went up on that mountain, he brought Aaron and Hur with him. And they're able to bring a stone to put under him for him to sit on. And they both take one of his arms and hold it up for him so that they can support him as he grows tired. And this shows the value and importance of having a good support system in the things that you do. That you are not meant to walk through life alone. You will be more successful if you do things with other people. Because they will help you when you grow weak. And they'll be able to spot things that maybe you miss. And so any kind of wise leader or wise steward knows to maintain a good support system to help them through those difficult times that are certainly going to come our way. They always come our way. Life is never just smooth sailing. There are always bumps in the road. And you need somebody there that can help you through those times. Now, look at this. Moses doesn't just call Aaron and her up to him after his arms begin to grow tired. Rather, we see in verse 10 that as Moses goes up to the hill, that he brings Aaron and her with him as he's going up the hill, which is good because if he got to the top of the hill on his own and then became tired, well, then he'd have nobody around him to support him as he began to grow more and more tired. The reason why they were able to support him when he needed it was because he brought them along with him from the very start. You see, a support can't help you if you leave it behind. If you don't bring it along in the journey, it's not going to be there when you need it the most. I mean, why do we pack a first aid kit when we don't have any injuries? Because we know that if we get injured, we are going to need that first aid kit with us. We're not going to have time to drive home or drive to the store in order to grab one. We need to take it with us everywhere we go so that when we need it, we have it. And this is why it's so important to have things like accountability partners and, and mentors in your life so they can support you in everything that you do. And you can't wait until you're in those difficult times to seek out an accountability partner or mentor because at that point, you're already in the deep end. You're already drowning. And to try to bring somebody into that, there's not a whole lot of good that somebody can do after you're that far along. 
it's a lot more difficult than if that person is with you from the very start, back before there's a problem. Then they can sometimes help us avoid the problems altogether and avoid those obstacles, showing us what it is we need to be looking out for before we even get there. But even if we still end up going into that problem and we still face that obstacle, at that point we've built a good enough relationship with them that they know who we are, they know how we handle things, they know what we need to watch out for, and it, be, it makes finding a solution so much easier when they're with us through every step of that journey. But they can only be with us during those times of crises if we include them on the journey as a whole. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that, making sure that we have people supporting us in what we're going through. Even if you're not going through a difficult time right now, you still need to find that support so that when those times come, that you are better prepared for it. Now, the other thing that I wanted to point out with Moses here is that when he's on top of that hill, he's not raising up empty hands. And when the battle is over, he doesn't just say, well, I'm glad we made it and move on. No, instead, Moses is holding up the staff that God gave him, that, that same staff that he used for all of the miracles that took place in Egypt and, and out of Egypt, right? As we talked about last week, he used that staff to strike the rock for the water to come out from it. That staff is not just any old stick. That is a symbol of the presence and work of God. And that is what he is holding up on that hill. It's not empty hands. He is holding up what God has given him to put to work. So when he's holding that up before the Israelites, he is reminding them and showing them through that physical representation that they aren't fighting on behalf of themselves. They are fighting under the banner of the Lord. And that's why when he builds builds the altar, he calls it, the Lord is my banner, saying we aren't here just representing ourselves. We are here as God's chosen people. God is our king. God is our provider. And we don't stand here as simply representing ourselves. We stand here under his authority and under his power. And when Moses builds that altar, he is emphasizing that this wasn't just a battle between the descendants of Jacob versus the descendants of Esau. This was a battle where an army launched an unprovoked attack against the people who were chosen by God and walked under his protection. This wasn't just some family feud. This was a battle that revolved around God and his kingdom and what he was doing with the Israelites. That's what this was about. And so by holding up that staff and building that altar, Moses was recognizing God's hand in what they had been given. That that staff came from God, that victory came from God, and he was going to use that staff and that altar to give God the glory 
for the work of his hand in this situation. And again, this is so important for any kind of steward or leader, whether you're a steward of people or a steward of just material things in your life, whatever it is, you need to recognize God's hand in what you have been given. And that recognition takes place both in the receiving of what you've been given, and it also applies to the use of what has been given. That you're saying, I only have this thing, or I only have this position of leadership, this stewardship over people, or stewardship over money, or organizations, or, or whatever. I only have this by the grace of God. And so because of that, I want to use what I've been given from God, use it for his glory, and for the good of his kingdom. So you're recognizing both the things that you have, where they come from, and what their purpose is. And that shifts our mindset into one with a heavenly perspective. Because when you understand that the things you have come from God and are meant to be used for His purposes more than your own desires, it changes what you do with those things. For instance, I've got a nice gaming PC at home, a nice gaming computer. I love to play my games on my computer any chance I get. That's how I relax. That's how I enjoy my free time. It helps me kind of recharge my battery. But the way that I use my computer at home is very different than the way that I use the company laptop at my work. Because I recognize that that laptop, that's not something I purchased for myself, right? That's not something that I earned. That was something that was given to me by the company I work for. And because of that, that laptop has a specific purpose that it's meant to be used for, which is to assist and help build and manage that company. That's what it's used for. So I'm not putting my own personal games on that laptop so I can just sit there and play games at work because that's not what it's for. And if I were to use that laptop for just my personal benefit, then I would be misusing that gift that I've been given. It's not just something for me to hold on to and enjoy. It's something that has been loaned to me. It doesn't even belong to me. It's just being loaned to me for the purpose of helping that company that I got it from. So let's take that same mentality and think about our relationship with God and the things that he has given to us. Because there's nothing that we have just in our own power. Every breath we take is a gift that God has given to us, and all the things that we have earned, we have only been able to do so by the grace of God who has allowed us to live and has given us the strength and the wisdom to do all that we do and gives us the resources to do those things with. It all comes from God. And we then are called to recognize that. To recognize that all that we have comes from God. And that because it comes from God, we are meant to use it 
for the good of his kingdom. Now, the wonderful thing that happens when we use what God has given to us for the good of his kingdom is that when we do that, we give those things a greater value than they would ever have otherwise. Because when those things are being used for the kingdom of God, they are having an eternal impact rather than a temporary impact. And that is far greater than anything else that we can do with it. The reason why Moses' staff was such a powerful object was not because of the object itself or its composition or where it came from. What made it so important was how it was used for God's purposes. There was nothing special about the staff itself. What made it special was that it was used for the work of God's kingdom. It was only used for God's kingdom because Moses obeyed God's instructions of using it in that way. So what has God given to you for you to use? It might just be a simple object. It might be people that God has entrusted you to lead and given you stewardship of. So I want to leave us with this question today. How does God want you to grow as a steward in what he has given you? It might be something like with Moses and Joshua, where you need to realize the potential of something or someone and invest with it and into it so that it can grow. It might be that you need to bring people alongside of you to help you manage what it is that God has given to you. Or maybe you've done a pretty good job of investing with what you have and in the people that you have around you, and and you've brought those people around you to help guide you and support you in, in how best to use those things. But you've left out the most important element of recognizing that those things were given to you by God and are meant to be used for his purposes. And because of that, you have had no lasting, eternal impact with what it is that you have and have been developing. And all of us, with all that we have been given, need to be like Moses and say, this is here because of God, I'm here because of God, the people around me need to follow God and obey Him, and any growth that takes place needs to take place under the banner of the Lord, because only then will we triumph. And as soon as we forget to recognize that, as soon as we bring our arms down, all of a sudden things start becoming a lot worse. And so we continue to trust God with what He's given to us, and to lead the people that He has entrusted us with to the best of our ability with the help of good support and God himself, so that all of that work that we do with those things and those people is not in vain, but will have an eternal impact. So how does God want you to be a good steward or a good leader with what he's given to you? And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, 
I would love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, and you can also email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I also encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, to like it, rate it, share it, all of those things that help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.